Hey guys, what's brewing? Welcome back to another one of our episodes at Chai and Waffle. Today, we're going to be talking about relationships and marriage. But before I get into any of the detail, 2020, what a year, right? I mean, I think it was especially testing for relationships, you know, whether you were single or married or in a long distance relationship. I think we'll have to see whether there's going to be a baby boom or a divorce boom. <laughs> what and for today, what we're looking at is relationships from different perspectives with really an aim to try and understand each other better. There's there's never really any right or wrong perspectives. You know, everyone is doing the best they can with the resources that they have. Um, and also, I just just to stress as well that, you know, if you think about it, just how important are relationships in our lives? You know, whether they're friendships or uh, relationships with our family or even your romantic relationships, which we'll be going into today, they can single handedly bring us so much joy or even on the flip side, so much sorrow. Uh, and on that note, Chan, perhaps you want to uh, share a little bit about how your relationship fared during COVID? Oh, thanks, Pooj. Yeah, um, being honest, I feel that 2020 really gave me the opportunity to strengthen my relationship with my husband. So prior to my current job, I was teaching and a lot of my time was taken up with things like lesson planning, uh, marking books and just general admin. And I felt that, you know, there wasn't a lot of time for us to nurture our relationship, especially being newlyweds. So this year, you know, going through furlough, being in lockdown has actually been a really great opportunity for me um, to build our relationship. And actually, I really enjoyed spending time with my husband because he's my best friend. Um, and it's, it's like the little things like having lunch together in the middle of a work day, you know, coming down and knowing that you can have lunch together and you can just have a bit of a chat about how your day is going um, is amazing. Um, but I do know that on the flip side for other people, you know, 2020 has presented its own challenges because, again, there's been lots of uncertainty and that actually affects, you know, our state of mind, which actually then goes on to affect, you know, what we can bring into the relationship too. I so agree with that. Firstly, it's great to hear that you've had such a great year. And it's so nice to hear things like, you know, he's my best friend, because it makes such a massive difference in a relationship, doesn't it? I agree. Uh, <laughs> um, my year has been, you know, really working on myself, not mostly because I've only seen myself in lockdown, but because <laughs> um, I, I, I really recognise that there was patterns that I, I was running. And as all of us do as humans, right, we, we run patterns. And I think it's more and more important to understand them and be able to work on them to improve ourselves. And having been through uh, being married and being divorced, I think it was even more important I understand what I was doing wrong so I don't do it again. And over the last few years, actually, um, I learned one of the things that probably stuck with me the most um, called polarity. Um, so I learned it over the time of going to a seminar in, in Miami with Tony Robbins at Date with Destiny and then I came back and I did, I've done a lot of reading about it so actually you'll be probably wondering what am I talking about let me go back let me go into it a little bit so um he said one of the lines he said was a relationship doesn't break down because of lack of love it breaks down due to depolarization so how do I explain this um imagine a yin yang symbol so you've got the half that is the white side, which represents the feminine energy. And then the darker side, which um, re represents the male energy, the masculine energy. And both of the sides have the opposite color dot. Now, what that represents is how we 
um, have the other energy in us. So if I'm a feminine energy, I have that slight masculine energy within me so that I can really connect and understand the opposite energy. So um, what, do they, what does that actually mean? So the feminine and masculine energy doesn't have to be um, gender biased. So if I'm a woman, I don't have to have a feminine energy at my core. But it's important to understand what, what energy we do possess so we can tra- stay really true to that. So the feminine energy is very open. She's flowing. She is full of life. She's actually known as the force of life. So um, relating back to you know, our culture, it's like the Shakti. She desires to be noticed, to be understood. And she does have challenges, like she will hang on to everything, right? Like oh, she... yes, I can relate to that. <laughs> She'll remember everything. And she, she really wants to be uh, filled up more than anything else. Whereas the masculine energy is the strong physical presence. It's got unwavering purpose and strength. And knows more about death. So more of the Shiva kind of um, avatar. He responds to uh, challenges and really comes to his own in that situation, but also will find it very easy to let go and leave, um, even if they, you know, there's a bit more work to be done within the relationship. And the reason why it's so important to understand that is because when we get into relationships, the, the first time we have that physical attraction, it's because our energies are, are polar opposites. So the way like a magnet comes together because you've got polar opposites, exactly the same, there would be that attraction that comes together. And in a relationship, when we get really comfortable and we don't work on ourselves and keeping ourselves polarized, it's really easy for us to either both become masculine or both become feminine. And therefore, we start repelling and not being able to understand each other. And, you know, it becomes a lot more difficult. And sometimes we don't understand why. And actually looking back for myself as well, I I can see where that really played a, a, a part in my relationship. Now, it's really important where... And you know what, I've said this quite a few times um, to my friends as well, is the only difference between a, a friendship and an intimate relationship is the intimacy. That, that's literally the only difference, right? You could talk to other people and have that connection, but it's the intimacy that creates this relationship that's so special for us. And to have that and keep that alive, it's really important to keep ourselves polarized. And it could be by, you know, when you come home from work, I mean, do, do, does anyone even do that anymore? Or do we just, you know, walk out of our room? So, you know what, we've had a bad day and we've become a very negative energy. It's really important for us to keep ourselves to our core. So come out of our rooms or wherever we're working and go, right, I need some time for myself, whether that means taking a bath, whether that means going for a run, whether it means, you know, I I just need some time to light a candle and, and remind myself of who I am and bring myself to that relationship and and it's really important right the person that we become every day and bring ourselves to our relationship it's important to have that nurtured um and that starts with yourself and being polarized so I feel like I've dropped a real bombshell there but uh yeah over to you guys (laughs) (laughs) a little bit but actually you know you talking about polarity polarity has reminded me of a relationship I had a few years ago where you know at the start everything was like perfect you know uh, he was very much sort of stable settled secure you know embracing his masculine energy and 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 myself you know I felt seen I felt understood I felt protected and then sort of a little while through the relationship something kind of changed uh there was an issue that came out that I, none of us neither of us really anticipated and initially didn't feel like a big deal so we kind of moved carried on going and then that issue grew and as it grew I, f- I felt as though like I needed to kind of step in and take control of the situation to kind of help us get out of it. 
And at the same time, I couldn't help but notice, but I saw him retreat. And that only made me feel like I needed to do, to do more, to sort of be more in control and more in charge. And like now, looking back on it, it's so obvious to me that our energies were completely unbalanced. And ultimately, it was that depolarization, as you said, there's that we, we could no longer see eye to eye anymore. We'd gone so much further away from where we'd originally started that we couldn't come back to that. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, like hand on heart, I didn't know what polarity meant back then. I didn't even know it even existed. Um, you know, wasn't aware of these sort of masculine and feminine energies. But now having learned about that and having the understanding, you know, I think going forward, I can take that into my future relationships and just, you know, be more mindful and throughout that to be able to sort of check in with myself and say, you know, ask, ask myself, you know, am I, am I in line with my like core energy? Have I, have I moved, have I moving too far away from it? How do I get myself back there? Um, so yeah, for me, this has definitely been an eye opener and hopefully it has been for, for many of our listeners too. Yeah. And it's a real key point. And you know, when you say about um, even, am I being true to myself when you're not being true to yourself and you're not really true to your core, you'll feel it because there'll be some kind of resistance. So actually, yeah. Yeah. when you feel at ease, you're usually at your core. And actually, even um, just mentioning and, and listening to your, to your relationship experiences, it, it's, it was really easy to go into an immature masculine energy or an immature feminine energy because even like, uh, for example, you've, you've had an argument with your partner and you go into uh, like a feminine state. I've done it before. I, I, I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I think we've all been there, then. <laughs> <Yeah. Yes. laughs> but you know what? I bloody well do care. And actually, I just need to stand up and say, I do care. And this is what was wrong and have that conversation and communication. And for, for all of our listeners that are listening and going, oh, my God, what are they talking about energies? Right. Like uh, without almost naming it, it's basically just being really true to yourself. And you will feel that yeah, that, that self-love that you give yourself and, and being really just who you are at the crux of yourself like it's basically just that don't don't use any fancy words to go oh I need to be polarized because it's not, if you talk to someone they'll be like what are you talking about right? yeah, it's like a foreign language yeah. <laughs> it's just be true to yourself and fill up your own cup before trying to fill anyone else's up that's the key thing because we can't pour from an empty cup and that, that's 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 the key self-love self-care I think, you know, we talk about how important, you know, filling our own cup is so that we can, you know, fill our partner's cup or, you know, members of our family. But what I found is things like self-love and self-care sort of fall to the wayside. And it's because we learn from the relationships that we see around us. So our parents, for example, you know, when I think about, you know, my mum and your mum's edge, you know, we see them giving and giving and giving because that's the expectation and until they actually burn out or they become ill. And then, you know, what, what we've seen is what we when when we go into relationship is the those same expectations we put on ourselves so then we become this people pleaser and end up not taking care of ourselves so you know we we then you know burn out or become ill and actually that makes a massive difference to then how you can contribute to the relationship and that can actually even lead to resentment in in some aspects and also if we think back to you know south asian culture and south asian relationships how often do you see your parents being affectionate towards each other, you know, giving each other a kiss or a hug or, you know, it's so rare that you see that. Um, and so when you go into, you know, your own relationships as an adult, you often don't know what it's supposed to look like, which could actually lead to one, either you bringing unrealistic expectations into the relationship or, you know, two, quite the opposite, finding yourself in a relationship where you're underappreciated and undermined. So I think it's really important, you know, 
to ask yourself at these points, how do you envision your relationship and how are you going to manifest that? Such powerful questions, Chana. I couldn't couldn't agree more. And, you know, with, with speaking on polarities a bit more, but there's there's this there's been a shift, right, in terms of our generation and our parents' generation. So with our parents' generation, it was very typical. Um, you know, the traditional Indian household setting is that the woman would stay at home, raise the children, and the men would just go to work and, and bring home, you know, bring home the money. And 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 when you tie that back to the words that we used earlier in terms of describing what the masculine feminine feminine energies look like that you, you can see the alignment there like it makes sense they kind of add up and so they, they were living in that alignment and so it was it was almost like you know like a duck to water but but now in in newer generations you know where whether we've either been born in the uk or even just brought up in the uk that's starting to change you find that you know there's many more women going to work that want to provide for their family they want to be independent but there's an, also a, a, a clashing expectation, as you said, Chan, that, you know, you, you must stay at home. You must cater for the family. You don't, you don't need to go and get further education. You don't need to go and get a job. And so that, that then become, creates a conflict of a woman that's, you know, trying to become independent, trying to create, a, you know, be fin- financially stable. And then ultimately not living in alignment with your own values that you have of yourself. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's just... It's an it's an interesting shift. I think it's improving, uh, but it's something that I've definitely noticed. Sort of between you know looking at my own parents and then looking at myself, where I where I place more importance. Um, so perhaps, Chan, you could maybe share some examples from your marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to agree with you. I think you know what I found, um, you know, being married is that I often find myself doubting whether I'm a good housewife. So going back to those expectations that are placed on us, you know, things like you know cooking Indian food, having a sparkling clean house, um, and just because I don't do those all the time, I often feel like you know I always often question myself like, am I a good housewife? You know, you know, am I doing the things I should be doing? And uh, you know, especially when your mum questions you as well, you know, why haven't you done this or why isn't that done? And you just think. Oh, you know, it just makes you feel a little bit inadequate. So, um, you know, and, you know, at other times the expectations that are placed on yourself uh, by either your husband, your parents or in-laws, you know, whether they are spoken or unspoken can actually become quite overwhelming because you want to make everybody happy, but you can't. Um, and sometimes you're unable to identify what the biggest priority is in that moment. And it can just, you know, feel really overwhelming so I think you know we have to start picking away at those expectations and like we just said you know finding out what's right for you and you know living in line with your values um, and I suppose it doesn't really matter what other people think um, but but then again you know that's easier said than done right (laughs) (laughs) the expectations literally there's like they're endless aren't they and I think to be honest we've got a whole a whole episode haven't we on expectations not just from others yeah absolutely (laughs) but just ourselves (laughs) as well right we we place so many expectations on ourselves and I think it is it's that in a monologue that we have that inner world and we're constantly talking to ourselves with all these expectations and I think you know what it's um, just kind of rounding up what you guys have said so like traditionally the, the wife, um, or, so let me say daughter, actually, she grew up in a family home, brought up by her parents, nurtured by her parents and moved in um, as a wife into the, the in-laws house, especially in our traditional, you know, Indian culture. In India, I mean, the, the girl wouldn't go home back to her parents' house for months or even years on end, right? And and in one way, it was easier for them to settle into a new family. It's like, imagine a plop, uh, blah, 
let me get my words out. Imagine a plant being repotted, right? So you pick it up from one place and put it into another place and it grows in the new soil because it's just there all the time. If you were to split that pot in that plant in half, it would become even more difficult for it to be able to grow properly. And now where we are, and it's great that we have the openness and the communication technology now that we can literally be at home with our parents, also in our, with our in-laws. But having that also creates a divide. You're, it's harder to be mindful as to where you are. So actually, looking at it in that way, we're almost having to be more mindful with how many expectations can we meet. And I think now when I look at it and I look back at what my life used to be like when I was married and comparing it to what I think I would do now is put everything else secondary and put your partner first. And the reason why I say that is in the cycle of life, our parents have brought us up and that's great. And his parents have brought him up and that's great or even vice versa. And now we're looking at going into a new cycle of life and all my needs should be surrounded with what can I give to my partner to nurture them? And if they look at me and do the same, we're really in a great relationship basis here because now we're just looking at nurturing each other. But also, you know, the expectations that we have in this inner monologue of going, you know, am I a good Indian housewife? Try and shed those questions because it's it's really difficult to be a good Indian housewife because what does that even mean, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Instead, like ask the question, am I making my partner happy, right? So if that means that your partner loves Indian food, then absolutely you should be cooking Indian food whenever they want it right I mean you know of course you've got everything to balance but that's the whole point that's the fundamental right let's strip it off of going am I going to be good at for these people because ultimately I think we've even talked about in our introduction is what do people think of us it doesn't matter am I making my partner happy and that's the only thing that matters because actually if you want Indian food I want to make it for you because I love you and that's the only important thing for me yeah, what a nice way of looking at it, Dej. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here, but uh, Dej, what are your thoughts on people that say, you know, once you're married, your husband's family is priority? <laughs> uh, yeah, good question. Um, so, I mean, I've just, you know what, as you said that, what popped into my head, all of this Indian serials about like the Indian mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Oh God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Never-ending drama. Exactly, never-ending drama. And also the way they like uh, pan the camera three times for every person. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) But moving away from that point, um, you know what, I think there there is a big expectation and um, for our for our parents who have grown up in a different gen- generation, all they want is for us to go into our, our in-laws family and be happy. And, and most of that means taking care of them. I think where what happens is when they say, take care of your in-laws first and they, they come first and that's a duty, it becomes very difficult because now you're telling me what to do. And I don't want to be told what to do, right? Who does? <laughs> yeah, exactly, who does? And now in my head, I'm running it as a duty instead of doing it out of pure care. And I think that's where the difference is. So actually, instead of looking at my mother-in-law and going, oh, this is the woman that is a sasso in my life or the mother-in-law. And she's the woman that, oh, and, and it literally our, our mind filters and goes back to all these Indian dramas. Or my mom said, I have to look after her, which is why I'm doing it. Strip every single label and look at her and go, this is the woman that has gone through her own challenges and her own life she got married she had her own children imagine how happy she was when your husband was born or whatever your partner was born and then she put all her energy into getting him to where he is now and she's nurtured the man that I love 
And actually, I want to fill her up because I love her for everything she's done. Actually, now I feel more of a sense of connection with her than I ever had by labeling her as my mother-in-law. And I think that's the biggest difference is let's let's take it away from going. I need to. And, and you know, what? When we, when we compare our parents and his parents, it's who needs us more in that moment if we're going to compare it for for where should I be? But also, like, let's start building a relationship with with these people on a level of just being humans rather than being labeled. And I'll give you an example, actually, when I was married. Um, my then mother-in-law, great woman, um, we had a lovely relationship. She actually came to me and said, look, as a mother-in-law, um, it's going to be very difficult. Let's become friends, right? So if you've got a problem with me, come and tell me. And if I've got a problem with you, I'll come and tell you. And let's not get my son involved. And it became so much easier because now I wasn't double-guessing what she was thinking. Whenever she had something to tell me, she, she did. But I, And I, I, what I would advise is, for anyone that's listening, or even for you guys, um, Chan, like if you haven't already, you know, go and speak to your mother-in-law and just, you know, for, for them, it might be the first ever time they've become a mother-in-law, so they don't actually know how to be in that relationship. And for the girl, it's the first time being a daughter-in-law, so we don't know how to, how to do that, right? Like, it's just, it's all, it's all not familiar, new ground. Go and speak to them and say, you know what, I want to have a better relationship with you. Let's go out for lunch, let's spend time together, let's get to know each other. And be on a level that we can communicate openly and connect on a level that isn't, I'm trying to take your son away from you or you're trying to, you know, whatever the Indian dramas <laughs> have taught us, right? So I think it's connecting on more of a human level and, and shedding those labels. I think you're so right, Veg. I think how much easier would it be to have those challenging conversations if you thought about it from that perspective rather than getting, you know, all those dynamics and labels involved? Because in those moments, you know, you shy away from conversations it like those challenging conversations out of fear of, of upsetting the other person. Yeah. Um, so it, it's much easier if you, you know, shed those labels and just, you know, from a, a human to human or a woman to woman perspective, and you have that conversation that way. Um, and I, you know, I just want to take a moment to reflect as well, because I've been married for about five and a half years. And I think I've come a long way in my relationship with my in-laws because I got married when I was quite young and there was a lot of immaturity on my behalf. And I think, you know, I think I've matured. Well, I can hope. Um, <laughs> and, I, you know, and I feel that now I can empathize more with their, you know, their behaviors and their actions because I can think back to their past experiences, things that they've told me and see how that influences them. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect because, you know, who is? And there's always room for improvement in any relationship. But it's really important in, you know, to question in the relationship with your in-laws, you know, why are they saying this or doing this or what are their trigger points? Because you haven't had the same amount of time with them as you have with your own parents. And that actually, you know, by asking those questions and actually really digging deep and thinking about their past experiences will help you understand them better and actually what makes them tick. And then actually that helps nurture your relationship with them because you can then relate to them and, you know, what they're saying or what they're doing. Chan, I can definitely vouch for you on the maturity level. I think you've 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 come a long way in the last few years. <laughs> Thanks, <I'm sure>. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting, like just a little bit more on like labels as well. We've touched on that a few times, but from a sort of slightly different perspective. So you know, Chan's married before me. Uh, she's the younger of the, out of the two of us, and there were a lot of assumptions made uh, when she did get married in terms of you know there must be something wrong with Buja. And I think there's, there's there's probably many of you that, you know, can resonate with this is that, you know, when we get together at, you know, Indian functions, the, the first question you usually get asked is, 
What about you? When are you getting married? Bridget, I bet you're glad that 2020 had less functions. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm, I'm not complaining about that, for sure. And, um, you know, I think those those questions like carry a sort of similar sort of impact or sort of negative, negative weighting that, you know, as, as like asking somebody that is married, for example, you know, when are you going to have children or asking someone, you know, how come you put on so, may, so much weight or how come you've lost so much weight? I mean, all, all that's all those questions are actually doing is just triggering our insecurities. And I mean, we all have them, right? And, and let's be really frank, it's actually none of our business. You know, we're, we're, we're in no position to be asking anyone those type of questions because, you know, when someone decides to get married or when someone decides to have children or not, or if someone, you know, goes through something in their life that may have caused them to gain or lose weight, you know, whatever the situation is, we need to move away from those questions because, and, and because it's not helping anybody, you know, and, and let's focus on the more empowering ones, asking someone how they are, asking someone how their life is going, what they've been up to, because the other questions are really intrusive, they're really direct, and can be really hurtful as well, you know, bringing, to, bringing, bringing insecurities to the surface that, let's face it, we're all battling with, and we're all working really hard to, you know, stop them from overpowering us and, and, and getting in our way of, of doing the things that we want to achieve. So, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, let, let's move away from those questions because they, they just make the whole process unnecessarily harder. And so awkward. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Awkward one, yes. <laughs> it's like, what do you say? And I've had, I've had the whole heap of it, um, even after I got divorced. And I think, you know what, it is people are, people people will look and people will judge and, and, and there'll be so much of that. And I think it's about really changing that inner monologue of going, it doesn't matter um, and, and trying, but there are insecurities that all of us have, right? Like um, even like looking back now, um, one of the key things I did coming out of that relationship was, was actually graded myself. God, this is dangerous, but like graded my, myself <laughs> um, in my relationship and, and looking at it, even now I would say I, I was quite, when I say immature, I was young and um, I was probably going to grade myself as maybe like a, a D if I was pushing it, <laughs> right? So, wow. um, and um, to be fair, if my ex-partner was listening, he'd probably give me even lower, but that's not the point. <laughs> it's about grading yourself, right? right. And uh, actually, now having left and, and looking back, I think there's two key things is actually when I look at it, I grade myself and not him because I can only control and influence my own behavior. And that's the first thing. We don't, we don't look at a test paper and go, oh, that test paper was like a you, was it, right? We do whatever we can do in our power. And also the fact that it's not every day that you're a D or every day that you're a C, whatever it may be. It's how do you show up every day? in that relationship and that's one of the key things right a relationship is only as good as your mood so I mean sometimes on some days you'll come in and your partner will make a joke and you'll you'll laugh at it and the next day they'll make a joke and you'll be like that wasn't funny but they made the same joke <laughs> right <laughs> but it's your state and what state do you bring into the relationship and actually now looking forward um I have kind of learned the tools and to be able to go right this is what I need to do to manage me and my own state to make myself a better version in that relationship. So I would, I would definitely recommend if you haven't give some reflection to go, you know, what do I, how, what do I bring to this relationship? How would I grade myself? And if I'm not where I need to be, then start bringing that A game every day because it's not just a one-off thing. Relationships are lifelong and actually they need to be nurtured just as much as you do. That's such a good point, Veg. So on that note, Alexa, can you please schedule some self-reflection time for tomorrow? <laughs> I think I need it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I think, you know, adding on to the point you made there about divorce. So I, I also was divorced quite a few years ago now. And I can definitely say there is a stigma in in the South Asian community about being quote unquote damaged goods. And I won't I won't say much more on that now as we'll be talking about that in our next episode. But you know, if there's if there's one thing that you take away from our from our discussion today is really sort of shift your focus to being more authentic, more aligned with your inner self. And for all of our listeners who are single, focus on becoming the person who you want to attract into your life. Yes. You know, it's really, and, and, I mean, I can't stress that enough, right? It's so, so important that you understand who you are at your core to give yourself that self-love, the self-care that you absolutely deserve. And, and just be aware of your energy. You know, what is it, what, it, what, is, what it's like, whether it's more masculine or feminine, whatever it is, but just be more aware of it. And like I said, like we said before, no right or wrong you know it just go go with what feels feels natural to you what puts you in in that sort of state of ease and another thing I guess that that we've 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 all touched on today is labels and shedding those labels the labels that we put on ourselves the ones that we may also put on others and to kind of sort of hopefully sort of hammer that message home you know an example uh that that I think many of you may be able to relate with. So imagine a scenario, you know, your partner has done something that you didn't agree with. And your first thought most likely was, how can he or she be so stupid? How could they do that? And I'm sure you guys can probably probably <laughs> jump in there and say, yeah, you've yep. been in that situation. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it's hard to see past that. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, if if we were to take a step back and really think about it, you'll see that the action that they did yeah, probably was stupid, but your partner isn't. And it isn't it isn't easy to see past those labels. It does it does take work. But by doing putting in that work, all you're doing is taking your relationship to a whole other level. You know, you're you're giving your partner a safe space, you know, allowing them to be their true authentic self. And all that's going to do is just make sort of a sort of self-fulfilling upward cycle of, of being in a more fulfilling relationship. So Take, take that away if that's if that's the one thing you take away then take take that away <laughs> um but as so as i touched on earlier like in our next episode we will be doing a deep dive into the topic of divorce covering the good the bad and the downright ugly thank you all so much for tuning in today we hope you enjoyed listening in and if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us on the topic of relationships and marriage please get in touch or drop us a message on instagram And until next time, have a fabulous week.